Our scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter, beginning at verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into a convulsion and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We pray that by your grace, you would unbind all that shackles our hearts and that you would help us to hear your word that brings freedom. Bring us freedom in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So here we are again in Mark's gospel this week. Last week, Jesus called his first disciples, four fishermen. He said, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. So they did. They dropped everything and they followed him. First stop is the synagogue, the heart of the community where the scriptures are expounded. It's where rabbi to teach and preach to God's people. Makes sense that Jesus would go there first. And when he does, we're told he's rather captivating. The congregation's astounded by his teaching, in fact. They're astounded his teaching. Not everyone, though, not everyone thinks so highly of this upstart preacher. Not everybody's a fan of him or his message. As Jesus is up there doing his thing in the pulpit, one of the congregants stands right up, wanders down the aisle, sticks his finger in the air, and just starts laying into Jesus. This is a regular human being, we're told, but this regular human being has a, quote, unclean spirit, which is a nicer way of saying that he is possessed by a demon. An evil being has taken hold of his life. So when the man's mouth opens, it is the unclean spirit that is speaking, and not him. Hey, says the demon, what have you got to do with us? Jesus, I know who you are. I know exactly who you are and what you're up to. You're you here to eradicate me and my kind or what? The demon reacts to Jesus' teaching 
and preaching with absolute hostility. Absolute hostility. And why is that exactly? Well, it says right there that it's because Jesus teaches as one with authority, meaning that he's not some dry and dusty scholar squeaking away at the chalkboard, you know, like, you know, like, in the beginning, you know. But he has prophetic power. When Jesus speaks, it's not just his own carefully considered opinion. When he speaks, it's a word from the Lord. And the demon even says so. I know who you are, it says. You are the Holy One of God. So why such hostility? The demon lashes out because he's under threat. He knows that Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one sent by God to set the world right. And if that's who Jesus is, the demon is done for. The demon lashes out because he's endangered by Jesus, by the authority of his teaching and the power of his presence. Simply put, Jesus has come to clean house. Jesus has come to clean house, and the demon lashes out because he doesn't want to leave the house. The demon lashes out because he doesn't want to leave. Now, before I continue, I want to affirm something. You know, demons are kind of a tricky subject for many of us modern people. And the truth is that a lot of things that we attributed in the past to demon possession, we now attribute to mental illness, to the psychological or biological rather than the spiritual. And sometimes Christians can use the fear of demons as a way to scare and to freak us out and to make us uh, much more amenable to whatever those Christians are particularly preaching at the time. For some of us, it might seem preposterous, pre-modern superstition, one we're best left behind. And yet, oh, this is a picture on the screen, is a picture of a book that we read just before COVID. In fact, we had to cancel our last meeting before COVID. Uh, but if you want to look, if you want to read a book on demons, Reviving Old Scratch, pick it up. It's in the library at the church. You know, we might be skeptical of demons, yet... Demons and other such things are core to the worldview of the New Testament and to Jesus' own ministry. I mean, if we want to be faithful to reading the scriptures, hearing Jesus and his teachings, hearing what he's had to say, we kind of have to take them seriously. I know I've encountered spooky things, though I'm unsure that they were demons exactly. And I have friends who are perfectly rational, science-affirming people who nonetheless believe in such things. And claim to have even experienced them, though all of them say actual possession is exceedingly rare. Not every uh, experience is like the exorcist, of course. And my posture has been and continues to be as such to simply keep an open mind and to trust that uh, there is truth in the New Testament's account concerning these things. So we want to be faithful to listening to the scriptures. This is something that we need to deal with. 
And yet, even accepting the New Testament's view of these things, one thing is clear. Most of us are not dealing directly with demonic possession in our everyday lives. Most of us are not dealing with a being taking over us and speaking on our behalf. The celebrated clinical psychologist M. Scott Peck, who wrote a lot about the reality of these things, once wrote that, quote, genuine possession, as far as we know, is very rare. Human evil, on the other hand, he said, human evil is common. Genuine possession, very rare. Human evil, common. So if we only read the scriptures like this as being about rare evil beings out there, we miss what they might have to say about the common occurrences of evil in here and in us. I mean, certainly Jesus and his teachings sound great. I mean, we hear phrases like, forgive as you are forgiven, or love your enemies, or turn the other cheek, or love your neighbors, or love one another as I have loved you. God is love. On paper, it all sounds pretty inspiring and moving stuff. That is until we actually try to do any of it right? Like forgiveness sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds great until somebody does something unforgivable to you. Loving enemies is just peachy until there are people actively out there trying to crush you or wipe you out. Turning the other cheek is easy when nobody is threatening to slap it. And anybody who's ever tried to truly love someone always runs up against the fact that we human beings can be very, very very unlovable at times. Jesus always sounds great until his words are directed at us and we get our defenses up. I'm already doing it, of course. I'm already there. Or surely this teaching of Jesus doesn't apply to me. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'm an exception to the rule. Uh, surely I don't have to love her. Surely I don't have to forgive him. Surely Jesus doesn't want to interfere with the way that I live my life. Surely Jesus doesn't even need to, because things are all going exactly as they should. And even when we want to change, even when we want to do better or be better, even if we want to be more loving and less judgmental, even if we want to be more generous and understanding, even when we want to forgive because our hatreds are eating us up inside, even when we want all those demons gone, more often then not, we just can't do it. They just keep hanging on. What have you got to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Like the man with the unclean spirit, we have this justifying voice inside of us that bristles when confronted. One that is threatened by goodness. Few of us will ever have a demon. We might not even ever know one, somebody who has a demon. This is true. What's equally true, though, is that each of us lives in this fallen world. While you may not ever be outright possessed by an evil spirit, each of you 
has your demons, the common evil that resides in each human heart. There is a part of, in each of us, that like the man with the unclean spirit is opposed to God and God's gracious will for the world and our lives and for all people. Evil isn't just a rare something out there, it's a common occurrence in here. Like the man with the unclean spirit, there's something inside us that lashes out when confronted. And even if we want to do better, even if we want it out, sometimes it just doesn't want to leave. No matter what we do, it just seems to keep on hanging on for dear life. We all have our demons. We all have them. It's part of being human. And yet, and yet, of course, we're dealing with the gospel message here. There is a power, according to the scriptures, greater than all that binds and enslaves us. While it's implicit in today's text, it is made explicit elsewhere. 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. There is a great power greater than all other powers. There is a power greater than even the evil that resides in each of us. And that power is the God we meet in Jesus Christ. That power is the God we meet in Jesus. The demon lashes out against Jesus in his teaching. It's possessed this man, and he just can't seem to shake it on his own. And what does Jesus do in response to this hellish harangue? Be silent, Jesus says. Be silent and come out of him. Shut up, Jesus says. Shut up and leave already. You've worn out your welcome. And the demon does. We're told that a man falls to the ground, that the man falls to the ground and shakes and with a shout, the spirit leaves. When the guy stands up again, finally in his right mind, the congregation sort of goes wild, right? They're watching all of this. I mean, just imagine all this unfolding in the front of the chancel here. Everybody cheers. This guy's for real because even the demons do his bidding. Even the unclean spirits do what he says. And his fame spreads all throughout the region, throughout Galilee. The demon is confronted by Jesus' teaching. It's threatened by him, but because Jesus' word carries with it the same divine authority that spoke creation into being, no being can ultimately Resist, because he himself is the power in the presence of the living God. No power can stand against him, because even the unclean spirits obey him. No spirit can even stand a chance. The demon's confronted, it lashes out, it doesn't want to leave, but it has no choice but to be silenced. To be silenced, to be smothered, and skillfully put away by the sovereign word of God's Son. There is a power greater than all other powers, and that power is the power of of the God we meet in Jesus 
Christ. Even the unclean spirits obey him. Even the unclean spirits that aren't literally demons. Even that which is within us will obey him in the end. So, that voice that is inside you, that voice of brokenness that is working so hard to resist, to justify, that voice that keeps on rolling over judgments, keeps on rehashing resentment, that voice working so loudly to condemn and judge others, and in the same breath condemns and judges you. To that, the Lord of heaven and earth simply says, be silent. Be silent. Be silent. Shut up and come out. Be silent and come out. Of course, the silence may not all come at once, or may never completely come on this side of the dirt, but it is a promise. It is authoritative teaching from the master himself, the one who schooled the stars to shine and instructed the oceans to bring forth life, the one who educated the earth to turn on his axis is the same one who declared the kingdom at hand in the synagogue and silenced the voice of opposition. It's the reason why we show up at church week after week to hear the promise that everything in us, everything in you that's opposed to God and God's way for the world can be shut up. Not only shut up, not only silenced, but schooled out of us by the grace of God. Crushed underfoot and cast out forever by the king of hearts. It's one of the reasons why we show up week after week, because the voices keep coming back. So friends, dear friends, I mean, I said in the newsletter, this week, demons, and we got it. Every time you find that resistance within yourself, that resistance to grace, to mercy, to forgiveness, that resistance to love of neighbor or love of God, that resistance to being loved by your neighbor and being loved by God, every time you find your heart shadowed by resentment or overwhelmed by lack of resolve, every time your future is darkened by your own fear, fault, or failure to do better or be better, every time the spirits in you lash out, just bring yourself back on into the synagogue of the Holy Spirit. Incline your longing ear to the authoritative teaching of the Master, to the freedom bestowing presence of the Holy One of God.
heart throne him let fear him subdue all that is not holy all that is not true crown him as your captain in the temptation's hour let his will enfold you in its light and its power let that voice in you be silenced till the day it's cast out forever and for good in the name of the father and the son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.